There we go. Do it for the clock. I don't want to do it. Do it for the clock. All right, y'all. Well, I have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guest today. I'm so excited to have her here. I, I call her my dear, dear, dear friend. I'm not quite sure what she calls me, um, but I also call her Whitney. So I would like for you to introduce yourself. And I want to give that as a segue to your actual new name that you have um, now have since we have last officially met and seen each other. So hello out there near and far. Um, my name is Whitney Simon, but my pen name is my Hebrew name, which is Keturah Renee. So shalom to you all. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And if you're not, start having one now. <laughs> and hopefully they will, because hopefully they will find value in what it is that we talk about today. Um, with that being said, um, ma'am, can you just tell us, um, you know, just, I just think it's wonderful where you are located right now. So I'm located in the very hot, humid, but beautiful Belize. Um, been here for four years and we're loving it, especially with all the onset of uh, police brutality. It just reminds me of why we're making the sacrifices that we're making to live outside of the United States. Nice. So I recently had a young lady on here that I actually met um, strictly through Instagram and um, I don't want to mess up her credentials and everything that she does because she's absolutely fabulous, but she is living um, as an expat in Tulum, Mexico. Now, do you consider yourself an expat? Like, how does that work? That was a new word that I learned just talking to her. What do you consider yourself being somebody that's kind of like, I don't want to say transplant, but that's the last word I've heard, transplanted, you know, now into Belize from U.S.? Um. Well, I think when people think the term expatriate, they automatically think white, kind of like American is like synonymous with white people, even though mm -hmm. Native American, uh, quote unquote, Black American, Asian, whatever, you get my point. Mm -hmm. So um, I, by definition, we are expats, we're expatriates because we have migrated um, to a different you know, habitat, location, geographic spot, whatever. Um, but um, there is a small community of African-Americans, not a small, but there's actually a pretty large community of African-American expat by definition that live in Belize. And I don't, I don't know, I don't, we don't throw that term around. We just, you know, we're just black people that left, you know, we're just tired of the system. Um, there's actually a, a cult of African-Americans that have completely, you know, changed their identities and the, everything about the way they live and stuff um, that live out here. They're called the Quatamani, and they actually have a really huge following on YouTube. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we ever, within our circles, we never use that term. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good to know. Now, I've been dying to ask you, and that's um, not the complete reason why I brought you on, but I did want to ask you that. I remember when, before you left and went to Belize, you might have posted, you might have said it, you know, you'd be saying all kind of crazy stuff all the time. But I believe, if I recall correctly, and feel free to correct me, I know you will if I got it wrong, you said that if um, a certain individual was elected into the presidency, that you was leaving the country. Is, is that fact or fiction? Do I recall that correctly? Well, um, that certain individual who shall rename Cheeto List, um, 
uh, he was not a reason for us leaving. I mean, that just like was just more proof to the pudding of why we were making the right choice. But long before he was even a thought in anyone's mind, we were already leaving. So I think we came and visited the first time in 2016. My husband had to come in 2015, but even before he came in 2015, you know, we were already for like two years, we're already planning on leaving. Awesome. And was it just, was it Belize out of several options or were there just, that was just where you wanted to go? Like, this is where I just have to be. Well, you know, the almighty works in mysterious ways. So uh, we actually knew that we needed to get out of the the city. We knew we needed to get out of Babylon, but, you know, in our current financial situation and just everything, we didn't know that we could afford it. And so we were just going to go out of the city, which from San Diego, we were going to go to Del Zorro, which is like mm, 45 minutes out of the city. It's desert. It's arid. It's rigid. It's gross. Um, but that's what we knew we could do. You know, we knew we could accomplish, he could still get to work. And so we actually had ran into some Israelite brothers who uh, invited us to uh, go celebrate Passover, one of the feast days with them in Riverside. And when we went to the congregation in Riverside, they were actually planning on going to Belize. And we had never heard of Belize. I was like, where the heck is that's what most people say when you're like I live in Belize like where the where is that Mm -hmm. is is that on another planet you're like no it's not it's a Caribbean country that's in between Mexico and Guatemala it's like so people think Caribbean they think island but Mm -hmm. it's a Caribbean country but it's not an island Mm -hmm. that's it um and so uh we looked it up and then it was like you know, halt everything and switch gears, change direction. And it's like, now all of a sudden we have purpose. Now we have vision. Now we had like, it was like, it was an amazing, you know, revelation for us because it was something that we knew we could do. The, the currency exchange, the American dollar goes further here. Um, so it's two to one. So for every one American dollar, you get two Belizean dollars. Um, the cost of living is cheap. Uh, you can get a huge house for like $300 US a month. Um, food is cheaper. Just, I mean, all the way around, it's it's cheaper. So um, that's kind of how this came to be. Nice, nice. Now, I'm not sure if I remember telling you, but um, it, you know, I know you, we talk often on, on social media and things like that. You know, I changed the name of the podcast. It was listed up and let's talk about it. And now it's a product of our, of my environment. And um, the reason, part of the reason for that is because, you know, I'm back in school, taking these social work classes, background in early childhood education. And the environment is something that I feel like um, scholars or psychologists or people in the field kind of recognize the input and the value of the environment but the common uh, public, general public doesn't understand how important Im- the impact of the environment is. And I'm not talking about ecologically, I'm talking about your social environment, I'm talking about your community environment and things like that. And so I bring that up because 
you know, once upon a time when I knew Keturah um, and Whitney, um, you were, it was different, just a little bit, not really. You know, you've always been eclectic, you've always been bright, you've always been super creative. But as far as moving into what I now see you as in your religion, and I, I apologize because I'm like tiptoeing around it because I don't want to get the words wrong, but I do want like to get some explanation. So I'm listening to what you're saying here. And you say, uh, you said Hebrew, Israelite, and the Almighty. And so um, again, to that point about environment and watching you change and grow and things like that, your evolution into um, Hebrew. Are you Hebrew? Is that what it is? I guess I need to just spit it out. Huh? I'm talking in circles. Like, explain this to me. Explain it well, to me, please. I actually don't really like to like categorize myself because I feel like when you, when you put a label on yourself, people like to associate you with other people. And just like in every denomination, you know, uh, KKKs are Christian, but I guarantee most Christians don't consider themselves part of the KKK. And so um, when you become, when you're in these like less mainstream groups, one is all, you know? So nobody says I'm Christian, like, oh, you're KKK, you're racist. Nobody does that. But if I'm like, I'm Hebrew Israelite and there are Hebrew Israelite camps out there that, you know, do not like white people whatsoever, constantly bashing them. They're like, oh, you hate white people. And it's like, wait, hold on. So you're Christian. Do you hate black people? Like it doesn't, it doesn't go like that. Or even to the extent like Mormons in their actual Bible, it says that black people are black because of sin. So God punished black people. They were once white in their Bible and he punished them and their punishment was black skin. So I don't go up to a Mormon and say, oh, to a black Mormon and say, oh, you're racist. Half of them don't even know that that exists in their Bibles. So um, because of that, I don't like to attach labels to myself. You know, I keep the commandments, what Yeshua did or what people call Jesus, which there was no J. J is only like 500, less than 500 years old. So um, Yeshua, what he did, I do. What the apostles did, I do. They kept the feast days. They didn't eat pork they you know abstain from worldly things and that's what I do and so that way people they almost try to undermine you your your thoughts your beliefs because they like to attach other people's behaviors to you so there there are some people who claim to be Israelites who do some really wicked nasty dirty low down assessing no potty words I was going to say the N-word, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to behave. No, myself. don't do that one. That's one that, not, not that one. Now, there's some potty words I allow. They're probably not the ones that you would use, but um, the N-word is not. Wait, but the N-word is not. I have one those. word. One word. And I can't. No, I'm, just, I'm good. No, no, no. I'm just saying because the, that, by definition, that is the definition of that word. So, it, right. but I won't use it. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so you have to just do some just dis disgusting things. And I don't want somebody to look at me and you know associate me with those things and that's what they do every time you know I'm like you know I keep the feast days uh you know I whatever blah blah do you think white people aren't going to make it to heaven is that what I said oh I didn't think so okay thank you so now yes I'm a super now, has that always been your experience or do you find because I know I've been in Virginia for 10 years this year makes 10 years and yeah, I heard about them bringing the slaves here and I heard about this and that, but coming from California, I really had no idea. But granted, I had only 
left the state to come to Virginia. So I had nothing to compare it to. Um, however, when um, Mr. Orangeface was in office, I noticed <laughs> the climate uh, changed a lot more and a lot more quickly. And so you mentioned how people's first reaction is, oh, do you hate people? Are you saying white people don't go to heaven? Did, was that, has that always been your experience or did that just start coming about recently with this current racial climate? Well, I don't, I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with the Cheeto, the chief Cheeto in charge, but um, I think it has to do more with the fact that anything that empowers black people scares the white systematic organizations that are in power. So uh, black people realizing that they are the true descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob um, has brought peace and life and freedom and a responsibility of you know living a better life to them. And it is empowering them. You have an organization, which I don't necessarily agree with everything that they do. A lot of things I don't, but um, called IUIC. And they are very, very much like Marcus Garvey and the Garveyites. Like he, they are uniform. They are uh, militant, not in a bad way, but I just mean like organized. They're just like, ah, oh, they're so appointed. They're so awesome, right? You just, you know, they do like a, like a million man march. And it just, it honestly, it just like, it was like, if they were in black and white, you'd be like, that's, that's, that's Garvey and his Garveyites, right? So it's amazing. Um, and so, dang, I forgot what my point was. What was I talking about? <laughs> yeah, got me lost too. I'm up here taking notes and things like that. You, you were, the last thing I do remember was that um, anything that empowers black people scares oh, okay. the Thank white masses. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So what they have in the last couple of years, what I have noticed is, you know, they turn everything positive into, you know, bad, like the Black Panthers, right? And so they started demonizing Hebrew Israelites and they start, you know, almost like, just like everything Black, they, they, they always try to demonize it until they turn it into something, right? Like do-rags were bad, but now white people wearing do-rags and now it's fashionable, you know, just so... So along that line, they have now turned Hebrew Israelites into, um, it, they are now on the terrorist watch. I don't know if you remember a while back, uh, some white kids were protesting and, at the Capitol, and then they got into it with some Hebrew Israelites. I don't know if you remember that. No, uh, I remember the thing with the Native Americans, but not with Hebrew Israelites. Wow. Yeah, it was the same thing. Some, some oh, okay. Native Americans also got into it. And so like, it's just stuff like that. Like the only thing that they promote from the Israelites are the negative things because they want to demonize it to scare, keep away other black people from, you know, joining. And it's like, it's a serious thing for you to put them on terrorist rights. Like no Israelite has ever terrorized anything yet we've never blown up a building we've never committed a mass murder. So it's kind of like, why are they on the terrorist watch or extremist groups, you know? So mm -hmm. um, ever since I've noticed the government has moved to kind of demonize Israelites in that manner. And they publicize all the negativity instead of positivity, which we are constantly saying that, you know, as far as black people and the things that we do, black culture. Um, 
is where I get, because that's the only thing that people ever see is that is the, you know, hateful Israelites that are standing on the street and cussing out people. They cuss out everybody. I don't just cuss out white people. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's all they ever show. And so naturally people, that's their first thing. Cause a lot of people that ask me that question are white, obviously. And they're like, do you hate white people? And I'm just like, Why, why are you asking me that question? You know, like, I don't just walk up to white people like, do you hate black people? Like, I don't, I don't get why. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, I, I don't offer disclaimers often. I do them when I so and feel so led to do. And honestly, that's not even an honest statement. I do offer disclaimers often. However, I only do them when I feel led to do so. And so because, you know, I am, on this platform and I want to bring things of value, but I also don't want, I want to be as unbiased as possible. Um, I refer to Donald J. Trump um, Jr. I think, no, he's Donald J. Trump. I don't know the guy's name, Jr., whatever. But um, I refer to him as Orange Face because of some of the things that I experienced that may not be directly at his hands, like he did not do it. However, there were things that I felt that he incited and exaggerated and encouraged that directly impacted my life here in Virginia. And so um, it's not a matter of politics or anything like that, although that is something I talk about often, um, but we are a social cultural podcast. So um, I just wanted to offer that <laughs> disclaimer because it will come up often. And so maybe in this conversation, I might call him orange face, but in another conversation, I might call him Donald J. Trump. It just depends on the type of conversation. But I did want to offer that disclaimer and kind of go off topic with that, just in case, you know, I got some new viewers and they're like, well, hold on. Yeah, I mean, you'll learn, you'll learn, you'll soon learn. So I did want to offer that disclaimer I, I still got I thought, you you know how you, you know how you get flagged for certain words so I thought maybe yeah. that was supposed to say his name like you're not supposed to say the COVID um oh my gosh stop <laughs> so I was like okay so I was like you know I know how you know I know how to go switch I know no, I, I know, know no it's it's so it's so interesting because I always before I prepare I always say what I'm not gonna do and then as the flow of things go, or I always say too what I'm not going to say too. And then as things get to go on, I'm like, well, you know. Um, so if I feel led to do it, I will offer my disclaimers. I don't offer them too often um, because I feel like that's the freedom that comes with the podcast. You get to say these things and you kind of rep, you know that, or you hope that you're not representing the views of all, you know what I mean? However, this is our platform, my platform. And so I just wanted to put that out there so we can go ahead and continue uh, if that ever comes back up in the conversation. But I hope it doesn't because, you know, we don't really, you know, we got some feelings about that, that character. So we're, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on from there. However, so um, you dropped some really good nuggets and some good, really relevant nuggets. But the thing that piqued my interest was, was why I wanted to bring you on. And so you can kind of inform just a little bit, somebody, even if it's just somebody like me, who just really has no idea how common are black Israelites. Like I heard of it in passing and things like that, but I, you're the only one that I know of, know of. And that's why I was like, let me get you on here. Let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> So, you know, before the Messiah comes back, right, there, mm -hmm. there will be an awakening in Israel and you really have been seeing it. Um, there are some key, there are a lot of 
people who from, you know, when we were growing up, who have ran into Israelites and the Israelites have made an impact on them. So DMX, um, as you know, Nick Cannon, but then, you know, he realized it, he didn't count the cost, right? And the Bible mm -hmm. talks about the house before you go to war, a wise man is going to count up whether or not he has enough soldiers to go to war and what he's willing to sacrifice. And, you know, Cannon came out and this and this and that, and we're the two Jews and odd, by proxy of black people being proud or of anything, white people automatically feel as if we're degrading them. And it doesn't, those two things are not, you know, they do not equate. I can say my children are amazing. That doesn't make your children any less amazing. If I say I have black pride, I don't mean that white people are bad. So, you know, if I say I'm a black Jew, why does that mean that the Jewish people, I didn't say anything about Jewish people. You, you can believe or think you are whatever you want to think you are. But as soon as a black person say they're a Jew, automatically we're telling Jewish people that they're, they are not. Can which, you, can, I don't want to cut you off. I'm going to pin that right there. But can you explain that to me? Like why, I really don't know that. Like why is that? And I'm sure I could pick up a book and look more into it. But hey, I got you here right now today. So keep, come on. Why I is just, that? I'm trying, like, I don't, because, I like, know. they'll say that this is anti-Semitic, right? They'll okay, say this, okay. This is hate speech. So okay. I'm kind of, like, like trying to, like, not offend. Okay, I understand. People, Understandable. People who essentially have trans, have trespassed, right? They have taken our history. They have taken our everything, and they're claiming it to be who they are. But when you look at the Bible, it's like, the Garden of Eden, if you look at Genesis, the Garden of Eden is clearly in Africa, right? Scientists have already said that the first people that they have ever found, not cavemen, or yeah, no scientists believe that we came from cavemen and apes and stuff like that. <laughs> but the first humanoids, right, that they have found were in Africa. The yes, ones I've that heard that. Mm -hmm. Right? You cannot get, white is the absence of, right? Black is the concentration of every single color. You cannot get nothing, nothing and create something. If you believe, if you say you're a Christian and you say that Adam and Eve were white and they are God's people, then you essentially say the big bang can happen because you cannot get colored people, melanated people from white people. White people are a mutation. And I don't say mutation like a bad thing, but it is it's a genetic, when we have changes, that is just a mutation. Mutation is not necessarily a bad thing. So uh, you have to have full color, right? Black people, you know, we can, we can create the rainbow. If you look at my own children, I have, I'm a dark-skinned woman, but I have children that, you know, are vastly different in color. Um, so if we put all those things together, we can pretty much conclude that white people didn't come from Africa, black people did. And Adam is, you know, God manifesting himself, you know, in flesh, you know, he made Adam flesh and they look the same. So if Adam was in Africa, black people come from Africa, Adam was black, God is white. And I know God's not even a color, right? Because he's a spirit. But I'm just saying, if you, if you think about it, right, if he's going to give, if he made Adam just like himself and he gave Adam black and then but anyways i digress right right so, and I, oh go ahead 
So anyways, so if Adam was black and you go through, you know, Noah, Abraham, they still live in Africa. You know, the Middle East is technically like still not white. So, I mean, anyways, uh, so yeah, so Nick Cannon didn't count the cost. He came out saying, you know, black people are the true Jews, this and this and this, which then automatically meant if you say you're the true Jew, that means I'm a false Jew. And I don't know if you know this, but the Jewish people own like all of the media, like everything you watch on TV is owned by like seven, seven or like nine uh, companies, all wow. of them. And they're primarily Jewish owned. God's people will be the lowest of all people on the earth. How are you the lowest of all people on earth, but you own all the major companies that own all of the television channels. You own Hollywood. Like America gives Israel a billion dollars a year because of the Holocaust, which we helped them fight. We didn't, we weren't putting you in concentration camps. Why are we paying you a billion dollars a year, but then turn around and tell black people that we can't pay reparations? We don't, why as a white male or a white female that did not exist during those times, that did not enslave you and quote unquote, am not benefiting from, you know, the privileges of slavery. Why do I need to pay you my, out of my tax dollars reparations? But yet we pay them a billion dollars every year, but I digress. So, so um, interesting. So still the same Whitney. Still, I didn't want to um cut you off. And you know, to be respectful, because you know, I'm learning. Um, you know me, I just be saying whatever. That hasn't changed much. I try to get a little bit better about it. However, um, I'm learning a lot about cultural um sensitivity and cultural awareness and how how much we tie cultural into ethnicity, but that is just one part of it. Part of it is religion. Some of it is, you know, your environment, sociocultural, you know, all that other extra technical stuff. But I said that to say, um, is it okay if I call you Whitney or should I call you Katura under your, um, your name? And you said that was like your pen name, but I thought that was like your, again, forgive me if I don't get the terms right, your Israelite name or your Hebrew name. So it, it is, but I, I mean, there are some people that are super like anal about it. Like, don't call me that government name. That's that's my captor's name. Because, you know, a lot of our last name, a lot of Black people's last names are still slave names. Johnson is a slave name. Like, you kind of get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, ooh, I did not put my phone back on the charge and it is about to die. Um, so, uh, uh, some people are very anal about it. I'm like, if you haven't changed it, with the county, you just play and pretend. So it's like, <laughs> I'm a mama named you Craig, I'm gonna call you Craig. Like, it, you know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I, I do what they do, but it's like, you really haven't, if it's that important to you, you'll go and you'll spend the $500 to get your, well, I don't know what it costs, but I know in San Diego it costs $500 what we mm -hmm. used to. You will spend the money to get it changed if that's how you really, if you feel that passionate about it. So I, when I introduce myself, I introduce myself as Whitney to people um it's more of like my it, it actually started because I got tired of my non-religious or non-Israelite or just people in general like I would post things and people would just have stuff to say and Israelites are like 
they go hard or go home. So I might post something and somebody will say something against it and then they will just go to war with each other. And I'm just like, oh Lord, oh Lord. So I created initially the Katora Renee page before I had my businesses and before I was an author or anything. I created it just so I could have a separate space for me to socialize with my spiritual family. And that's where it came from. So in doing that, and again, forgive me, I don't want to talk too much on the Nick Cannon thing because I don't understand enough of it. And I, from what I saw, I mean, he was basically silenced and things like that for what he said. So we don't want to get ourselves into no trouble now over here. I know you over there, big living in Belize, child, but I try, I'm just a little old podcast right now. I try to get myself in trouble. However, for, for sake of clarifying and understanding um, that situation, um, if I'm understanding just from talking to you and the little bit that I gathered from the media, it's, um, it's not necessarily that what he said is considered not true um, in the space and in the culture and the communities of the um, Jewish community, um, as far as Black Jews, it was just something that he should not have said? Or? I think it, I really think it's the Colin Kaepernick thing. Okay. You know, it's just like, sit down, shut up, Negro. I almost slipped. Sit down, shut up. Can I use a Come on now. Like, that's no, perfect. you cannot that's use that word, girl. No, ma'am. You sit cannot. Down, shut up, colored boy. Sit down, shut up, third class citizen. Sit down, shut up. You are to be seen and not heard. You know, Coburn, cop, 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 that boy, he can play. He got an arm. You know, but they didn't like what he had to say. And football players are just high-performing slaves. They do what they're told. They do it how they're told to do it. Like when you see the comparisons of like the slave market and how they would, you know, slaves would be standing up there and they would go and they would look at them and they would touch them and poke and prod. And the way they do the football players and the football players all stand up there in their tidy whities and they're looking at them, poking them and prod them. It is a freaking slave auction block, you know? And it's like, you, I pay you to play. I don't pay you to talk. And mm-hmm. same thing with Nick Cannon. He forgot who his master is. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. And, uh, you know, and that's like, when you look at Chappelle, why Chappelle left, he went to Africa and everybody's like, what happened to Chappelle? He went crazy. He fell off, you know? And he, he realized he was like, you know, I'm doing things that I morally don't think are right, you know, and I'm willing to sacrifice all the fame and everything because it's not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized that, you know, losing everything, it wasn't worth it to him. He would rather keep the fame and keep his show. And, you know, it, it mm-hmm. is what everybody teach his own, you know, we all got yeah. our own fights to fight and one soul to save. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just so interesting. You just always bring um, bring me so much joy because even in controversy or challenges or difference of opinions, um, I mean, you're still you and you still bring, um, you've always brought an alternative insight. And so again, sticking to the name of the show and, and considering the influences of somebody's environment, is that a correct synopsis? Do you always, have you always felt that your, your views were a little bit different than your regular circle, your family circle, your, fa- uh, your uh, friend circle or things like that, especially as you began to transition, um, you know, into your 
practice, girl. You know I don't know the right word. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't know no, the right word. <laughs> it, it, takes a, it takes a whole lot to offend me. Uh, you, can, you can call me an Israelite. That's fine. A Hebrew Israel. I just don't like, you know, when I meet people, I just won't say mm-hmm. it. But, you know, you can follow, call me a follower of Yeshua, but that's long and it don't sound right. You know, as you continue on as a follower of Yeshua, just call me a Hebrew. It's cool. Because <laughs> um, that's technically that's technically what I am. I just don't say it because then people try to, you know, box you. And, right. And then, yeah. So, um, no, I think growing up, I just wanted to fit in. Mm. Growing up, I just, you know, I was really insecure about myself and just, everything and I just wanted to fit in and I think probably meeting my husband you know because my husband is so oh my gosh that man you can't live with these men and you can't live without I swear (laughs) men are from Mars and women are from Venus Mm -hmm. but my husband is from planet one dash two three four five six uh ABC quantum mechanics um, experiment 526 (laughs) 626 no you know what I'm talking about he he is not a normal man i i kid you not like people are you're exaggerating no this man is like the manliest unman you could ever meet like it is so weird like he grew up with all sisters but he's like super like manly macho like it's it's just it's it's weird what normal men like most men you know like to be catered to you know you got beyonce i'm a cater to you i'm gonna take your shoes off i'm a this that He's like, I could get my own food. I could do that, but I don't need you. Please don't. Like, and it actually caused a lot of contentions in our marriage when we first got married, because in my mind, I'm trying to be a wife to him the way I saw my stepmother be a wife to my husband. And she would get up at four o'clock in the morning and cook, fry him chicken fresh, you know, and mm-hmm. for him to take the lunch that day. And just the way society says that a woman's supposed to be as a wife. And of course, that's what I grew up with. That's what, mm-hmm. that was my, you know, uh, what I was, yeah, it's what I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. But those exact same things irritate him. So it was like, we were bumping heads. So like, I'm trying to be a good wife. And he's like, I don't like that. And, and mind you, we're not really saying these things because we don't look internally at this point. And we're young, right? We don't right. know how to say what we really feel. So we're bumping heads, not realizing that the issue is that we're, I'm trying to provide something that he doesn't want and mm-hmm. he can't want it and he's fighting against it. So it just, but once I realized that things got better. So um, I think that me meeting my husband like really changed my perspective. It showed me that it's a, you can be authentic. Like you can be you, you don't have to fit in. Like he goes completely contrary to everything just because like he literally tries to not fit in. And it, it's, it's funny to watch him do it, but um, that's, I feel like a lot of where my independence came from. And then I became the black sheep. You know, I live holistically. Uh, I was talking to my aunt yesterday and she asked me, did I get my COVID shot? And I just looked, I was like, auntie, you gonna ask me, am I gonna get a, a, a COVID shot? Not even just a vaccination, a COVID, sh- I mean, uh, <coughs> sorry. Yes, uh, stop it. <laughs> uh, you know, a Sam Dimmick. Am I gonna get a Sam Dimmick shot? Like, come on now. Like, I'm not gonna be nobody's guinea pig. Like, we have we can clearly look at the history of America, and we can see not only have they 
really experimented on black people they have experimented on their own military they have experimented on the poor they have ex like they literally have a book uh the uh president i want to say it was eisenhower i don't know one of the presidents literally took one of hitler's books and was using it on how to on like on black people so it's it's kind of like i i don't i don't trust the american government and people go well then leave and then it's like i did and then they feel stupid yeah well even with that and it's so funny because Again, you've dropped a few uh, a few things, but and you it's you never cease to amaze me with the shock factor. We know this about you. You know this about yourself and the things that you say. Um, so it's normal though. It's not even like I'm trying to. I just I know. I, I just know, speak for I know, I know. That's why I had to get you on because I just know you know there's no telling what you're gonna say. But I said that. <laughs> you know, you mentioned um, earlier. You were talking about. Um, being the descendants of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Forgive me if I got the names wrong, but I think I got them right. And uh, but I might be wrong because you ain't you ain't make no face, so I don't know. But uh, <laughs> no, no, you good. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The four. Okay, fathers, okay, right? okay, good. Yay! Woo! One point. Woo! Woo! Okay. And yeah. um, you mentioned about you know Adam being black and um, you know original humans coming from Africa and so many other things that you have said and a few of them I'm like ooh girl ooh, oh, oh okay okay you know um, and I say that ooh, oh, oh, oh oh because I may not necessarily entirely agree or I may not just not have enough um, information of my own to even offer an, a, a valuable opinion on the matter but it doesn't I want to highlight it doesn't cease. Uh, the fact that we can still engage in a conversation, we can still, um, you know, bounce ideas off of each other, we can still have a friendship and a conversation, even if you reflect different viewpoints or things that I do not understand, because I feel like that that has always been you. It's like, you're always a mystery. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, I I, I feel almost like I shouldn't say it anymore, but I don't know if you remember, but I started calling you Elijah Muhammad because you started you started changing this stuff. I thought you was like Muslim. I didn't know what it was. I mean, I know now you are Hebrew, but I didn't know what was going on with you for a minute. You know, it, it was actually um, in San Diego, right? Because there's a oh my large goodness. where we lived in San Diego. There's a large Muslim population, and yes. so I remember when my husband got me a van, and I was so irritated. I was like, people already think I'm Muslim, right? Now you gonna give me this van? No, I'm really gonna be Muslim. Like, come on now, like, cause you know back then all the Somalis, that's what they drove. They, right. they, they drove vans. So I was like, dang, like, come on. No, it wasn't even just that. You were like, okay, my I gotta only wear skirts. Now I gotta wrap my hair. I'm like, girl, what's okay? Um, you know, and I back then well, didn't have the words. <laughs> I didn't know what I was supposed to say. I was just like, you know, I got this friend. And you know, she just, you know, and um, you know, <laughs> and you know, and then that's where Elijah Muhammad came from. And even that, I'm like, you know, we're friends, we joke. And I'm like, oh man, I, I I live in a world in a culture where professionally I have to be politically correct. And so now I'm like, oh man, Marissa, that's kind of offensive. Like, why would you do that to her? I ain't know no better. We was young and, and Whitney was <laughs> Whitney was changing and and I didn't know what she had going on. And my world is Christianity or Muslim. So she guys, she had to be one or the other. So exactly. I, I said all that to say I'm again happy to have you on for you to explain, you know your life as a, you know, um, a Hebrew Israelite, you know, and things like that to kind of give some clarity, hopefully to other people who may be thinking that too, because you can't assume you put a head wrap on and you 
wear your scarf, you know, I mean, not your scarf, I'm, I apologize. You know, I don't know this language, but you put your long skirts on and things like that. It be some leggings. Sometimes yeah. it's a dress. It, yeah. it's sometimes it's fabric. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay, girl. But you, you do it nicely. You know, you match real good. And that is so awesome. So, you know, we could talk about and learn about it more, but I feel like um, that might be a conversation for a later day. I might have to bring you back. Let's talk about you and the things that you do and you have accomplished. One of the things that I have always admired about you, and you know this, is your creativity. So you are an author now. Are you an artist too? I mean, because you're designing these, these logos and things like that. And then, okay, I kind of said I was going to leave the religion thing alone, but I noticed you got your own little circle of friends and stuff. So can you explain that to me too? How does that work? And how has that community been for you? Because they're all like authors and business owners too. I'm like, okay, what is this religion? Okay, Black people. Okay, come on. <laughs> religion. Uh, no, I so I, I, I always say I cannot draw and I, I can draw a little bit, but it's kind of very like when I feel led to draw. So, and, and, and part of that is because I don't practice my skill enough, right? If I were to practice my skill, I'm sure I could do a lot of things. So I actually illustrated a book and I didn't want to do it and I hated it, you know, and I hate the. I hate the way it looks. Everybody else was like, oh, it's cool. And I'm like, it's disgusting to me. But um, so I do dabble and dibble a little bit in illustration. All of my, not all of them. With the exception of the book that I'm having illustrated right now, which is uh, Esther, Esther the Brave from, um, I don't know, Esther Bray, we're going to leave it at that because I forgot what the subtitle is. Um, uh, I did not draw all of my, uh, all the sketches, but for all my other books, I have drawn all the sketches, you know, and I have other things that I do on the side. So, um, you know, I really felt like I've always been creative, but I felt like when we worked at the YMCA, like, you know, the YMCA give, gave me a platform and a space to really just expound and to grow and to just, you know, explore my creativity in different ways. And that was awesome. Um, so I just more, more so stick to the writing. Um, and uh, I have three books, technically, two are in production and one is already um, has been released. It was released December 2000 and December 2020 and uh, that's called the three little Hebrew boys and the big bad wolf and it's a story of Meshach Shadrach and Abednego which if you don't know they were the Hebrews that went through the fiery furnace under King Nebuchadnezzar so um, it's a um, I call it um, a biblical fusion because I fuse together fairy tales fables and I mix them with bible stories to create something that resonates with both children and adults. Because when you are a children's author, you technically have two target markets or two niches. Like you have to appeal to adults because um, if you buy your children books, you don't buy books that don't entertain you most likely. Like if you look at a ugly and it doesn't make sense, you're like, I'm not gonna buy it. And your kids are like, but I want to. And it's like, but I don't like it, you know? Mm -hmm. so appeal to both the children and the, and the um, what are y'all? Okay, just, just wait. 
You guys can get a piece of fruit. Um, so you have to peel it up to both of them. And so um, it is obviously the three little pigs, but instead of the three little pigs, we have three Hebrew boys. And the wolf is King Nebuchadnezzar, which actually there's a there's a um, a little bit of a similarity. If you look at the story biblically, at the end of Nebuchadnezzar's story in the Bible, he is sent out into the wilderness and he grows hair and claws and is somewhat similar to a wolf. Um, so it was just a natural fit for that. Um, did that answer all your questions? Yeah, you did. You did good. And I know you're pressed for time. So I just, um, I was mentioning in that same question, your network that you have built a around you of other, it looks like sis a sisterhood really, but uh, I've seen some brothers in there. I've seen some families and things like that. Can you explain how that works and, and, and the role that they play as far as support? Because I noticed that a lot of you guys have businesses or um, entrepreneurs or, you know, what's that word, doulas and and different career sets that may not be um, attached to a uh, mainstream organizational corporation. So how um, beneficial has that been for you at this time in your life? So that, that um, family or that group that I ascribe to is really my Israelite family, right? This is the people that you know, I added to my Couture Renee page back before I was an author, you know, it's just so that I could be around people who are like-minded in the faith. So um, just for lack of, for the sake of not arguing, I will say that we are, you know, uh, like-minded faith-wise. Um, and so because of that, Israelites, um, we are trying to get back to living biblically so a man provides a woman stays home and cares for the children and that's something that the black community has gotten away from and we've seen it really kind of deteriorate the family structure you know and just the a, a lot of things and so a lot of israelite wives not a lot i wish there was more but a lot of israelite wives stay at home and so just because you're at home doesn't mean you don't contribute to the family, right? You just may not go and work a nine to five because you're at home raising your children. So then we call it like our Proverbs 31, which if you look at Proverbs 31, it talks about uh, a woman whose uh, value is worth more than rubies, right? She considered a field and she bought it. She rises early and takes care of her family. Like she was a businesswoman. She didn't go and work underneath somebody else, but she was still nonetheless a businesswoman. So a lot of Israelite women and men, but a lot of Israelite women, they own and operate their own businesses to help provide, you know, income to their household and or not, because I run my business and I keep all of my money. My husband provides for our household. And um, so then you'll, that's why I have a lot of friends who, you know, have their own companies, you know, and, and then before I became an author, we had a moving company. My husband worked construction. I stayed at home with the children, raised the children. They were still, my older ones were going to public school. Um, but I ran the moving company. You know, I did the hiring, the firing. I uh, scheduled the jobs. I was the face of the company. I bought materials. I went to job sites, you know, all of the above. Fixed trucks, drove, drove, drove trucks, good Lord. Um, and I think that's important, right? Because still in America, a woman's value seems to have changed to, you know, if she doesn't work and she doesn't provide, 
then she's less than the housewives are looked at. You know, it's like not really important. You don't really do anything. Um, and so I feel like because we're in this transition period where people don't really understand domestic engineers, that's my fancy name for what I do. Um, <laughs> because we don't really understand domestic engineers having your own, right? For being able to provide for your family in different ways is important. It gives you like um, an identity that sometimes women lose when they're stay at home. You just become mom, you know, mm -hmm. you're inundated with mommyhood. But I think a lot of women are experiencing that now with this whole COVID thing, right? Their kids are home, they're home all day. And it's like, oh, it's not as easy, is it? Right. Kind of fun, huh? Right. <laughs> Right. You said we don't do what? <laughs> How many times did you clean that house today? How many times did you feed? How many butts did you wipe? Oh, okay. Right, right. So speaking of that, your group, and forgive me if I have the name wrong. Is it Little Saints? Where did I get Little Saints from? Is that your group? No, so Little Saints is, um, I guess it's like just an, another hat that I wear, right? It's just mm -hmm. one of the multi thing, many things that I do. So that is my teach. I don't even know what to call it. It's, I started teaching my children, right? The Bible, because mm -hmm. my, my mom, who I would call a sinner, right? Hit me in the gut one day. She threw me a low ball and she was like, what are you doing with them? Like you make them keep the Sabbath, like, all they do is listen to their dad's teaching and then that's it. Like you need to do more with them. And I was hurt. I was a little offended. I was like, how dare you tell me I'm not doing a good job? But she was right, man. She was so right. And so, um, you know, I started teaching them and I was like, well, you know, if I'm teaching them, my minds will just, you know, film it. Right. And then other people can benefit from it. And um, so it's kind of grown a lot which is a blessing, but it didn't grow until I became more faithful. You know, I started being punctual. If I say three o'clock, then we're coming on at three o'clock. And I, you know, I do little things. I do, not only do I teach a lesson, I typically have a game, a science project, an art project, something to kind of solidify the lesson. And when I saw how I became more faithful to the almighty service or Yah, what other people would call God, right? God is just a title. You're, you're not mom, your name is Marissa. Uh, when I uh, became more faithful to him and more dil diligent in working in his vineyard, he made it to grow exponentially. So Little Saints is just my, me teaching children the Bible. And I do that every Sabbath at um, 3 p.m., 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Pacific Pacific Standard Time. Now, do you do that mostly use Facebook for that platform? Do you have like other people join you? Um, because I noticed that you have kids from the community. Come on, sis. I mean, I know you want to be humble, but I mean, it's not like it's just your kids that you have. You have other kids, which I feel is significant because you're in a whole nother community. You're in a whole nother country. Um, please elaborate. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> uh yeah, no, and that's again what I said. When I started being more faithful and diligent in in his business, he made it to grow. Which nobody makes videos and doesn't want any views, and nobody makes videos and doesn't want anybody. Like you're obviously making this content because you want other people to consume the content for whatever your reasons are. Right? My reason is just because, like, 
it's not even that I want to get the word out, I guess. I just want people to benefit from it, right? So um, there's actually, and it's been really surprising, right? You move to a whole nother country. You don't know anybody. When we moved here, we knew nobody. When I say nobody, we knew nobody. I knew the people who I came with who lived in my house and that was it. Um, so um, it's been interesting to find out that there are other Israelites here. So I actually, there are some Hebrew Israelites that came from Detroit. They left from the whole Flint situation and I ended up meeting them here, you know, and it's been a major blessing. They are, they are my family here. And um, the children that you see are actually from a guy who I won't call him a Hebrew Israelite, but he refers himself as an Israelite. And he's actually from Guatemala. Wow. And he kind of grew up knowing that they were Israelites, I guess. I don't, I'm kind of lost on his backstory a little bit. And um, they are commandment keepers. We recently, I, if you saw the pictures from Passover, that was me with his congregation. So I don't necessarily attend his congregation because they're a Spanish speaking congregation. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad when I go because then he's sitting there translating the whole thing, which is, I know it's is irritating for it's irritating. I'm sure it is not irritating for him. He's glad to do it. He loves us being there, but it's just like, I don't, I never like to superimpose myself. I never like to put people out or make people work harder than they have to. Like that bothers me. That is a internal thing, but mm -hmm. I'm projecting my thoughts out. It's irritating to watch him have to translate every single thing that he says into English, which is my fault, right? Yeah. I am in a foreign country where Spanish is the second largest language spoken here. I should know how to speak Spanish. I grew up in San Diego. I should freaking know how to speak Spanish. And I don't, and I suck, right? So um, anyways, uh, so um, those are children from his congregants. So he teaches the older people. And now I guess the children come to my class, which is a major blessing because it gives my children an opportunity to interact with other children because they frequently don't interact here because there's a bit of the outsider kind of thing. So they're foreigners, they don't speak Creole grade and uh, they perceive that we, okay, so we have a lot of money because I'm not going to you know, say that the Almighty hasn't blessed us, but they perceive us to have, you know, exuberant amount of money because mm -hmm. of the size house we live in, but they don't realize that it, baby, what you see on the street is not really what I'm paying. What you think I'm paying ain't what I'm paying for rent, you know? And it right. was just an opportunity where the Almighty opened a door and blessed us. And we do make, you know, even for an American standard, my husband makes good money, but from a Belizean standard, you know, we're rich, you know, mm -hmm. most people here live in poverty. And so because of that, there's a lot of like disingenuousness. Mm -hmm. So they want to, we live right by the school and like two doors down from the school. And so a lot of kids wanted to play with my children for what they have, they have. Mm -hmm. play with children for who they are. Mm -hmm. And so unless we go out and we meet children who know nothing about us, mm -hmm. they don't know where we live or what we have. It's hard for my children to have friends. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't, 
for them, they're cool with it. But I'm, mm-hmm. I, as an adult, see what's going on because as soon right. as I say, you can't come in my house, I don't know how y'all out there in the podcast world grew up, but then everybody come in your house. No, you don't, and you here, never do that. And kids either. It don't matter. Kids, cats, dogs, people, grandmas, aunties. No, I don't know when people, but see, you know, I ain't never really have nothing really of my own until I got a little bit older, but that my husband does that. So his friends come over and um, he said, even before I got here, they would go hang out in the backyard. They never came inside the house, but now they really don't come in the house and they be feeling some type of way, child. But I'm like, why y'all acting brand new? He said, that's how it always was. I'm not letting you, um, now see, you about to give me the same bad words. Come up in here. <laughs> but, you know, and Belize is really small. Mm-hmm. It's very small. And I, I don't associate with a lot of people. There are a lot of Israelites people who claim to be Israelites. Cause again, there's a lot of different variations with the underneath the umbrella of Israelite and them, them color peoples is crazy. <laughs> and believe this population is like less than 300,000 people. Like that's wow. there's three times that in San Diego alone. And so mm-hmm. people talk and everybody knows everybody. And, you know, it's, it's crazy how, you know, they say like, there's seven like everybody's like seven points removed or something like that like so it's like it's crazy how you'll meet someone who knows someone else that you met somewhere else and so you know we have an xbox 360 like a second generation xbox 360 it's so old it was my dad's xbox that i inherited when he died but those don't really exist here no matter how old they are just a lot of people don't have it Mm -hmm. and so um a mutual friend of mine had a son and so because we were friends and she would come in the house because I trusted her, her son would come in the house and, you know, I would let them play the Xbox. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the neighborhood knew we had an Xbox 360. And it, to them, again, it's not going to matter that this Xbox is 10 years old. That's you a have, luxury. Mm-hmm. Right. And everybody wanted to come play with the Xbox. And when I said, no, you can't come in my house and no, you can't play the Xbox, they left. Mm-hmm. you know, and it was hurtful to my children and they still want to go, okay, well then let me go play with them there or let me do this. And I'm like, not going to, even though you don't understand it and they will play with you to a certain extent, I'm not going to let you be abused like that. Like, I'm not going to let somebody use you because they're not your friend. Mm-hmm. They only want to be your friend according to what they can get from you. And I don't want to make it seem like people here, because people here are so loving and they're, they're, I've met some of the best people in this country. Um, but I'm just not going to uh, allow that to happen. And I don't want people running their mouth about what I got in my house because it, it creates a safety hazard. You know, that was going to be my question. I was waiting for you to complete your thigh. I didn't want to cut you off, but that was the, not even just the Xbox thing in general. Again, when people think of living overseas or traveling overseas, especially to um, countries in certain areas, um, the first question is safety. And so that was what I was going to ask you. Um, safety wise, do you have, Aside of what I just kind of cut you off about talking about, outside of that, do you have any general safety concerns? How safe is it there? I really don't. Um, Belize statistically, so they say, like has a, like it's a bad record as far as how safe it is. But I think the general rules still apply. Like don't walk down a dark alley at nighttime by yourself. Like you kind of get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't run those circles. I don't do those things. Like do things happen to people here? Yeah. But things happen to people in the United States too. Like, you know, I don't necessarily feel unsafe, but I am cognizant of the perception that people have of me because 
when just facts are facts, right? Poverty creates environments sometimes mm-hmm. that harbor bad behaviors, you know, because people are trying to provide for their own family. So it's like, if I don't have, and you have, then I have to take from you so that I can have, right? You know, again, that's not everybody's mindset. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is a rule of thumb across the board. So I'm just saying, I'm cognizant about how people perceive me. Like, you know, I don't go outside and flashy stuff. You know, I, I, I stand out like a sore thumb here because I don't dress like anybody here. I wear head wraps. I wear dresses. I dress modest, you know, and not that I don't look like a bum. I look beautiful, not hyping myself. I'm just saying I, I look nice. No, you really do look beautiful. Can we normalize um, complimenting ourselves without feeling full of ourselves? Thank okay. you. So, yes. so I look, I look beautiful, but people, people know where I live on a corner and people know they're like, Oh, I know where you live. I'm like, why does everybody know where I live? I stick out like a sore thumb. And so I'm just, mindful of like what I do like I try to make my footprint as small as I can possibly be here because I don't want to be looked at like that like I want to be seen for who I am like who Mm -hmm. I am is nice who I am is kind who I am is giving and stuff like that and I don't want you to abuse that you know Mm -hmm. but at the same time I I don't want I don't want to be seen as money bags you know and it's it's the way that almighty has blessed us it's kind of like hard mm-hmm. per se, you know, but um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it is what it is. But at the, at the end of the day, nobody can do anything to me that the almighty's not going to allow them to do. And it's right. not, to I don't set up precautions that I don't have things in place. Like you're not just going to walk up in this door. That's all I'm going to say. Like you right, walk up, that part, <laughs> you, can have some, you can have some issues. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really, um, so much, I'm not so much concerned with safety. If anything, the reason why I moved here is because we felt unsafe in the United States. You know, I just could not imagine my son being accosted by the police and I'm just standing there helpless. Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to get myself shot and trying not to get him shot, you know, like safe in the United, unsafe in the United States. And that's why we left. So I feel much safer here. You know, I don't have to worry about the powers that oversee society, you know, picking on me or my children because my son is huge. He's 11 years old. He wears a size 13 man shoe with no side and stopping. He's like five, five, 130 pounds. You know, that boy is going to be a beast when he gets, I don't say beast, like, oh, look at no, you. No, I get what you mean. You know, we He's, no, I know. he's gonna he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with with just by just with his, his presence size, you his know? appearance yeah and black black people when they're little the when we when we're their cubs they're cute right a lion cub is so cute but nobody mm-hmm. wants to play with a full-grown lion and that's why mm-hmm. they shoot us on site right because right. it's like they're afraid and it's like i don't i don't want my i don't want to be in fear for my children I don't want them to have to be in fear to grow up. So it's like, let me, like we talked about environments, right? Let mm-hmm. me remove them from that environment. And there's nowhere in the United States that I feel like you can move and be out of that environment. So then it means that we have to leave the United States. And I'm mm-hmm. grateful that we were able to do it. And it doesn't mean that you have to come to Belize, right? My aunt is in Japan and she looks at what's going on in America. And she's like, hopefully, they've been for 14 years. And she's like, hopefully we will never have to go back, mm-hmm. you know? 
people think that America is the cat's meow because they've never been able to experience anything else or grow anywhere else. But when you get outside of the bubble, you realize that the perception that you have of America, not to say that America is bad, Mm-hmm. I just I will say that even though that's what I believe but I not know, I, know you, I, I appreciate you saying that though because you're being diplomatic you're, you're just practicing some of the Marissa isms so I respect that <laughs> right so not to say that America's bad but the perception that America makes you have of everywhere else in the world that is not white yes. right that it's not Europe and Australia is not true. Mm-hmm. Mexico is a beautiful place. Not Absolutely. that I've really ever been there. Yeah, um, I have. You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> Africa is a beautiful place. Not that I've ever been there, but I have, a, again, Israelites are leaving the country because they realize that Babylon is not the place to be. So I have a lot of friends that have moved places like Tanzania and Ghana and stuff like that. I've, I have friends that are in Chile. I have friends that are, you know, moving all over the world because they, they have seen past the facade that if you don't live in America, you're a nobody, you know, life in these other countries is more simple, which isn't a bad thing. Not at all. Um, you actually live, you breathe clean air, you drink clean water, you know, your fruits and vegetables are a lot of times not treated the same way as your fruits and vegetables in the United States. So they're, they taste different. Carrots are very sweet here. So it's like, if you want a savory dish, don't put a bunch of carrots in there because it's not going to be savory anymore. It's going to be kind of bananas taste different. Like it's just, I can get for 50 cents us. I can get me 10 whole, but I can get me 10 bananas, you know, like it's just, it's, it's different, you know? And so America makes you look at like, Oh, it's bad. And Africa's lines running around and poverty and dirt and grime and no clothes. And it's like, no, it's not. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been dying. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's it's a blessing. Like, I don't want to make it seem like me being here is just, it's of our own doing. It is honestly just the almighty. When you are diligent again to his things, he will make a way for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I've been, I, I, I tried to, I'm glad, um, I let you finish because I try to watch my words. So I'm trying to watch it saying I've been dying because I ain't dying to go nowhere until Jesus t- called me home. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> I've been, um, what's another word I can use? And I don't want to say anxious because I really don't want to be anxious, but whatever, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, I've been needing to see what had happened was. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was to bring you on here to ask you, you know, you'd be posting some wild, outrageous stuff. And so again, once again, I appreciate you coming on here, but you know, I never know what is really what you practice and what you just poking fun at. So polygamy and sister wives, ma'am. <laughs> ah! Okay. Um, it's funny because I actually just made a post about that, right? Because I sell, I'm, <clears throat> I sell essential oil necklaces and they come in three colors, which is like a black, like a cobalt black, uh, a rose gold and a silver. And so when I made, because Israelites believe in polygamy, some of them, not all of them, again, Mm -hmm. it's an umbrella and there are many sides to this umbrella. So because biblically, polygyny is something that the almighty allowed for men to have, right? And um, people say that it was done away with in the New Testament, but you never see it done away with. That's just, but anyways, I digress. So 
I shared the post and I was like his, hers, and hers. And I was like, y'all could take that however you want to take it. So <clears throat> people will condemn polygyny, right? And they say polygyny is bad, but Abraham was polygynous. He had Sarah and Hagar. Uh, Isaac was not polygynous, but Jacob had four wives. He had <clears throat> Leah and Rachel and he had whatever their concubines names were. And like, we got all of the children of Israel, the 12 tribes came from four women, you know? So it's like, David was polygynous. Like, uh, who else is somebody who everybody like looks to? Samson was polygynous. Like when you can probably any, you know, significant <clears throat> Old Testament figure that you can point out was probably polygynous. <clears throat> Does that mean I want to be in polygyny? Heck to the nah, 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 nah. Okay, because nah, nah, I was nah, just going to say, girl, you, do you want to do it or not? Now, look, Lord Jesus. I was like, like oh. Girl, uh, I've been watching was, them people on TV. I was like, hold on. Uh, okay, now I got to go back to calling you Elijah Muhammad because I'm like, Lord Jesus, girl, you, I, you know, I was just waiting to see. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. I'm sorry. I digress. Go ahead. Keep going. all this running around. I just want to know if you in polygyny or not. Like, no. <laughs> I am not inflicting. Does my husband want more than one wife? Yes, my husband wants more than one wife. And I'm at a point to now that the almighty orders my steps. He knows my heart. He knows where I've come from. He knows, you know, the, the dysfunction that I came from. He knows my insecurities. He knows everything. If my heavenly father who orchestrates every single thing that's on this earth, like Satan could do whatever he thinks he wants to do, but it's only because the almighty is allowing him that space. Like, Mm -hmm. He said, you could do what you want to do to Joe, but do not kill him, mm -hmm. right? And sure. he did everything he wanted to do with Joe, but he did not kill him, right? So, and he could not kill his wife because they were one flesh. He took all his children, he took his houses, he took his health, he took everything. But it's only because the Almighty made provision. So if my heavenly father that sits high and looks low and orchestrates everything, allows my husband to, because to be quite honest, out of every man that I know, if I knew a man that deserved to have more than one wife, it would be my husband. Mm, interesting. The way that man, that man has worked his butt off from the time we got married. I have never had to work. You know, I have never had to, uh, you know, pay a bill or anything. That doesn't mean that I don't contribute. Like he works his butt off. And even to his living situation now, we, I live in Belize in a nice house. I have a housekeeper that comes out three. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this to say like the things that my husband has a, a allowed us to have, the blessings that he has allowed us to partake in while he lives in less than just so that he can make sure that we have, you know? So it's like, if I ever knew a man that deserved to be in polygyny, it would it would be my husband. He outright deserves it. That still don't mean I want it, you know? Okay. I don't, <laughs> don't want to share. Like some women are cool with sharing. Like, I don't want to share. That's just not how I grew up, right? Like. I grew up not having that male love. And that's what I sought for when I was looking for a husband was a man that would adore and cherish me because that was the one thing that I never got growing up. So then it's like, for you to say, I got to share you that, oh no, I'm, I'm good off of that. Um, and it's kind of hard. It's like, you're talking about sides of your mouth. And it's like, I know I am. Mm -hmm. And it don't make no sense, but it, the facts are the facts. I get my, you. I hear you. I hear you, sister. I hear you. Truth. 
he deserves it. When you look at it on paper, he deserves it, right? But he's gonna change that I don't want to be. But I'm also not going to stop his blessing the way I wouldn't want nobody to stop my blessing. Mm -hmm. So I digress, right? So there are a lot of Israelites that practice polygyny and that a lot of them don't do it right, which may, gives polygyny a bad name. Now, polygyny in the United States is mostly outlawed with the exception of like Utah, right? Which is why mm -hmm. a lot of the Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists moved to Utah because they can live their lives peacefully there. But it's like, you could be a man and say you're a woman. You could be a, a human and say you're a dog. You could be an old person and say you're a young person. Like everybody can do whatever they want. But, you know, you could be a man and marry another man. Or you could be a man to change yourself to a woman and marry a woman and marry a man to man to marry. Girl, the mama go on, move on, move on, go on, go on, move on. <laughs> but I'm saying all that stuff, we have now allowed all those things to happen, but still polygyny is outlawed. Like it doesn't make any sense. And now you got people in polyamory. You got people doing all kinds of nonsensoriness. You know, I read, a, I was reading a thing today. You got a dude and his wife, and then they, they're in a, poly, they call it a polyamorous relationship, but they, mm -hmm. the, the third person is a, is a sex doll. Now how? I don't, I don't know, but I'm just Girl. saying it. Girl, so, that must have been some Facebook something. That sounds like something else on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a whole legit article. I was oh like, wow, that's crazy. That that's crazy. But I but, mean, to say the way the way America's going, which is one of the reasons why I left, you can literally do almost anything except right. for the things the Bible allows. Because the things the Bible allows are, are too taboo, right? Like right. So. Well, that it's interesting you say that because you 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 reference Babylon often, and it, and is that what where that reference comes from because of your you know your religious beliefs and ideology behind um, things that may be being allowed to be done um, against the will of God. I call America Babylon because that's what America is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is. I'm about to go. You know what? I'm about to go right now. It is like. I mean, the potato's a potato. Like, you can uh, whatever you want now, to. Child. Go, go, <laughs> It's just a bunch, it's a bunch of nonsense. And the people, you know, locals here will ask you, like, do you, are you planning on going back? And I'm like, for what? Like, you know, like, what is there? Like, yeah, there's convenience, right? My aunt and I were just talking about this last night. And <clears throat> convenience is the best thing about America, hands down. But that convenience is killing us. Like, here, if you don't eat before you go home, it, there is no stopping for five minutes and grabbing something out a window and eating on your car. Like you finna stop for 15, 20 minutes while they make your food fresh. There are no fountain drinks. Like mm -hmm. so you're used to just going, oh, and the fountain drinks come with it. So you get it. And you know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. just calories. And so people in America are obese because of all the access and convenience of this this food, right? Mm -hmm. My aunt is in Japan and she said when they first got there years ago, you didn't see a lot of obese Japanese, but now with the onset of all these American companies, like these fast food restaurants coming out there, she said, you starting to see a whole lot more obese Japanese. Like she used to have a, she's like a, you know, a plus size woman, like mm -hmm. size 14 ish. And she used to never be able to find clothes for herself. And mm. now it's becoming easier and easier as the Japanese are more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like integrating American culture into their Japanese culture. Mm. So, um, you know, it's been, it's, it's interesting to watch other cultures as they become 
more American as they, you know, they start doing as they do. Right, right. Well, I know I won't keep you long. You know, we can talk for a, for a while. I, I thank you again. I know it's probably becoming redundant, but I really appreciate you and your time because, you know, you're in a whole nother country and all that and whatnot. Um, as usual, always insightful and entertaining <laughs> um, and informative. And um, I definitely found value in what you and what you say. I know there's a shock and all that comes along with dealing with Keturah. And so I'm willing to, to deal with that shock and awe anytime to be able to have a conversation. So we'll have to get you back because I mean, you, you really strike my interest. I got to know, I got to learn about you people, about my people, or I mean, look, I don't know what to call you. No, I'm trying to be politically correct, but you know what I'm trying to say. I got to learn a little bit more. You're going to have to teach me a little bit more. I know you don't speak for all. I know you ain't trying to represent everybody. That's fine, but I want to know more. <laughs> Yes, I will teach you more about the ways of the Elijah Muhammads. Oh, yes, yes. Teach me thy ways. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I thank you for, for having me on. I appreciate any time that I get to run my mouth. <laughs> it's one thing that Ed will never change about Whitney. She likes to talk. Oh, oh, interesting you say that. Thank you for remember, remember that, talking about change and one thing that will never change. You mentioned at the top that, you know, you were you were insecure and things like that. You know, I saw you back then, even back then, as bold and confident. Like, you were so brave. I remember you saying, I think I could be wrong. I, you were the first person in your family to join a church. I don't know. Am I wrong? Did you tell me that? I don't know. I could be wrong. But whatever the case may be, you were always so bold in your decisions and I've always admired that about you so don't change that which I don't think that you will but um I have definitely always admired your your boldness you know your it, it is what it is <laughs> it's always been that way with you <laughs> well I thank you I appreciate you saying that I think sometimes we are our own worst enemies right so you know, we will beat ourselves, browbeat ourselves to death. And everybody else is like, no, no, no. But, you know, we'll never see it. So, and that, that is a characteristic flaw of mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will you enjoy, I know it's summer. I'm not summer, Lord. Let me, uh, supper time is what I was going to say. Supper time. So I'll well, let they you. About, they about to eat me alive. This is past supper time. They I know. Here, That's why I'm like, let me hurry up and go. Because they about to. They about to get you good, get you good. But again, I appreciate you so much. And I will talk to you again soon, my love. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. You have a magnificent day. And I, again, I thank you for allowing me to share this space with you. Yes, indeed. Thank you, honey. Be blessed, girl. Shalom, sister girl. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs>